brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Welcome to episode number 76 of the Marine Layer podcast. We'll react to the Eugenio Suarez trade. We'll profile a potential free agent for the Mariners, Jorge Soler. And Lyle, we will close out the show with Speak Your Mind. Your reminder before we start the show to download our episodes and leave us that five-star review. If you're listening, you can listen wherever you get your audio podcast. Make sure to go do that and give us a follow and then watch on YouTube too. You can like, comment, subscribe over there. All that helps out. The reviews and downloads on the audio side really do help big time. And then you can follow us on social media, on Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, and YouTube shorts at Marine Layer Pod. Let's get it rolling. And we welcome you to this episode of the Marine Layer Podcast, part of the Just Baseball Podcast Network, recording here on Wednesday, November 22nd in the afternoon. Eugenio Suarez was traded earlier today. And Lyle, I just have I just have a suggestion for Jerry DePoto. If he's going to make a trade on the eve of a holiday that everyone just doesn't want to have to focus on work and worrying about all these other things, could he do one that gets reflected in a more positive light? Is it too much to ask? That is too much to ask. Come on, dog. Like, what do you expect? Did you think the night of th- the, the night before Thanksgiving, the stars would really align for the Mariners, the Seattle Mariners, where they sign Shohei or go trade for Yandy Diaz or go sign Blake Snell? Like, it, it's not going to be that easy. You should know better than that by now. I know you just wanted to, like, go into the holiday and not have to worry about anything. And you and I, like, we had a nice episode planned today. We still have part of it that we're going to touch on with Jorge Soler knock out a couple things, and enjoy our Thanksgiving, Lyle. But instead, uh, the vibe has turned significantly on this Thanksgiving Eve. Oh, it's bad vibes only. Yeah, it is bad vibes only. So the summary of the trade, Jerry swings a trade with the Arizona Diamondbacks. Eugenio Suarez will go hang out with Paul Seawald now down in the desert. The Mariners acquire 24-year-old reliever Carlos Vargas back and backup catcher Sevi Zavala. Well, that doesn't really... Doesn't really move the needle for me too much, dog. Uh, the the details of this, I think they're thinking Sebi Savala will be the backup catcher this year. He's had some decent defensive numbers. He also had a decent offensive season for a backup catcher in 2022 with a 110 WRC+. Plus. But you don't usually trade your starting third baseman for a backup catcher. So if I'm going to get to the bottom of this, Lyle, the, this is the Mariners making their most prominent effort yet to rid their lineup of strikeouts. I think I think that's what this is. Do you want to cite do you want to start with the Mariners side of this? Like with Sebi and with Vargas, or do you want to start with the Geno side? Like, like well, let's start you- with the Geno side. I know people want to hear this. Okay. Yes, they are trying to cut down on strikeouts. I think a couple weeks ago when we talked about Teoscar declining the QO, or sorry, the Mariners not giving him the QO, that we said, yeah, he's probably not coming back now. And I said probably not, but maybe if it gets late in the offseason, they'd think about it. Well, after this trade, my opinions changed. Now there is absolutely no way Teoscar Hernandez is coming back because what they are trying to do very clearly is get rid of strikeouts. I think they are sick and tired 
of seeing all these strikeouts in the lineup. And I think they were tired of seeing it in 2023. That's why they traded Gino. He has a year of club control left. There is a club option for 2025. So I guess technically he has two. But they very, very clearly want to punch out a lot less. And they are going to the extreme of trading your third baseman, who was one of the best defenders in baseball last year, and we know can hit for power, to execute on that. Because it's not like there's not going to be strikeouts in the lineup. You've still got Julio, who strikes out a lot. You've got Cal, who strikes out a lot. You've got Kelnick, who strikes out a lot. But Teo and Gino both struck out over 200 times last year, and their K rates sit around the 30% mark every year. Clearly, the Mariners said, look, we've got to get rid of this. This is this is enough. Something has to change. And it's starting with this. Now, I don't think that made the fans too happy, but I think if you're trying to get inside the mind of Jerry DePoto and Justin Hollander, that's what they're thinking. It's even more prominent when you take a look at these numbers. Luke Arkins brought all these numbers together. Shout out to him. He put together a very nice thread on Twitter about the combination of Eugenio Suarez, Teoscar Hernandez, Tom Murphy, and Mike Ford last season. Four guys who are almost certainly not on this Mariners roster in the 2024 season. Look at their 2023 numbers, nearly 1,800 plate appearances combined at a 31% strikeout rate between those four. Combined, 31% strikeout and 1,800 plate appearances. Those guys, That will be no longer. Those 1,800 plate appearances will not be back on the Mariners in the 2023 or the 2024 season. A very prominent effort by Jerry and co. Now look at the hole this leaves on the Mariners roster. You have now just lost your starting third baseman for marginal upgrades. You you have a guy who's going to be a reliever. He threw four innings last year and then a backup catcher slotting in for a Eugenio Suarez's spot. You would imagine Gino would have had a little bit of a bounce back season in 2024, and he still w- probably will with the Diamondbacks in a more comfortable hitting environment, but you're now losing a significant amount of power in your lineup. You're losing a little bit of on-base skill in your lineup, and your defense definitely gets worse worse as well at the hot corner. If they think that uh, Luis Urias is going to slide over to third base and replicate all of Gino's success, that like that's not true, and that leaves less of a, less prominence in the lineup as of now. So I think that's how it sits uh, in the Mariners' subtracting Gino in that perspective. I do think Sebi Savala, if he ends up being the backup catcher and he returns a little bit of his 2022 form, can actually benefit the Mariners this season. But I'm going to say benefit as a true backup catcher and not the role Tom Murphy tried to occupy last year, which was essentially be their pseudo DH in the second half. Sebi Savala is not going to do that, but be a good backup catcher. I mean, that's certainly a valuable asset to have on your roster. Sure. Backup catchers and good backup catchers are important, especially because Sebi Zavala blocks the ball very well and he's a good pitch framer. That's why they like him. He's a good defender. And in those two areas specifically, he really thrives. He blocks the ball and he frames pitches well. But let's make this abundantly clear because as as we currently sit, if it was opening day today, you'd have Luis Urias at third base and Ty France at first base. So let's just state this and and be as clear as we can speak about it. The current roster as we sit right now is worse than what it was as we ended 2023. Between getting rid of Isaiah Campbell and getting rid of Gino, it is worse than where it sat at the end of 2023. Yeah, you're on abundantly clear and very correct with that. And we're saying this, uh, like I'm trying to say a little bit more. I was a little bit more animated earlier, but I think as the day is worn on, I've calmed down a little bit. I mean, there's no, there has to be another move coming. Like, that is the only acceptable reason for this is that there's a significantly more prominent move coming 
to fill this roster out. Because if there's not, then I mean, then you and I really, really, really have an issue. And I just want uh, we should honestly, Doug, we could dedicate a segment on this podcast to reading through the replies of Mariners tweets every time they promote tickets on their on their account. <laughs> it had another prime opportunity yesterday that you sent me and people were just having a field day. Well, could you imagine those comments now? I'm sure there's some people who have gone back to that tweet now and are like double down on what they just said, because a trade like this optics wise is not good. It, it's not really good. They did shed nine and a half million dollars in salary. Joe Doyle made a pretty good tweet, uh, a, a pretty good point about this. This isn't a true salary dump to those who are thinking this is straight cash dump. It's not really because Luis Urias carries a $5 million price tag and what he's going to get in arbitration. The net is saving about $4 million, which I don't know if you can get too mad over $4 million. It's not, that's not a monumental amount. But what the, the optics of what this looks like in the initial message right now to that Mariners clubhouse is not good. Like, Lyle, if I stuck a mic in Cal Raleigh's face right now and asked him what he thought about the current state of the Mariners roster, what does he say? I bet you he's pleading the fifth. Yeah. <laughs> yes, he is. I mean, look at the reaction from some of his teammates today. I saw um, Cal. I saw Kelnick. I saw J.P. Crawford all put out. Thank you, Gino Post. A couple other guys, too. I saw Taylor Saucedo tweet about how awesome Gino was. I would recommend go checking out that tweet because, as always, Taylor keeps it very real and very genuine. Guys loved Gino. Like, above what he did on the field, above still being a three-win player despite a down offensive year in 2023, you're talking about a guy who was the heartbeat of that clubhouse. You're talking about a guy that brought positivity, a beam of energy, was always smiling. Like, you talk about good good vibes only with Gino. He would lift these guys up a lot of the time. Guys loved being around him. Luis Castillo talked about how much he loves a Eugenio Suarez. He said he is one of the best teammates I have ever had. And I'll bet you, I don't know this for certain, but I'll bet you Gino played a factor into Luis signing that extension before the end of 2022. Well, now Gino's gone. So if you're just talking about clubhouse vibes and just feel, which this is totally away from where we usually kind of direct our talking points because we're very we're usually very analytically driven but if you're just talking about the clubhouse you've essentially ripped out the Mariners heartbeat in both Paul Seawald and Eugenio Suarez and shipped it down to the desert that's what you've done if you're just going off clubhouse vibes and the clubhouse vibes are as you said significantly worse and we're honestly looking past the simple fact that Eugenio Suarez played every single game for the Mariners last season 162 games he played last season, and he's no longer on your roster this season. Significant. Significant in a number of ways. I'm anticipating, Lyle, another move coming. Because it has to be. This is the only acceptable, logical reason for the Mariners doing what they did for this. Because if there's not another acceptable move coming, well, I've already told you what I'm going to do, but I think I'll save the meat of it until we know a little bit more for certain what might actually happen this offseason? It still is early. The winter meetings are two weeks away. So I would ask some people to, at least for now, take a deep breath. And let's let some things play out. Once the offseason is a little bit more shaken out and we get a clearer picture, I think we can more properly react. And if you guys want to get angry, don't worry. Once we get down to the end of this offseason, I'll be right there with you. Right in the front of the line. If they don't make further moves is what you Correct. I agree with all that. Now, I'm going to ask you a yes or no question, and then I'm going to follow up. I'm pretty sure I know what your answer is going to be. 
we said as of Wednesday morning before this trade was made, we've been saying for the last few weeks at least now, the Mariners need to add at least two impact bats this winter, right? Yes. Okay, so what they have now done with this trade of Geno is change the barometer because now you're talking about three. You now, after moving a Eugenio Suarez to the Diamondbacks, need to go get three impact bats this winter. And if you don't, I don't think people should accept anything less. That's what this team needs. You now need three true impact bats to help this lineup. And if it's not going to be Shohei, here's an example that I thought of. Jamer Candelario is already being lightly linked to the Mariners after this trade. You've seen John Morosi tweet about it a little bit, who's usually plugged in with the Mariners pretty well, but we'll see if that has validity or not. If that's true, it needs to look something like this. You need to go sign Jamer Candelario. You need to go sign Jorge Soler, who we'll talk about in a little bit, and you need to go trade for Yanni Diaz. If you go do those three things, fine. You have made up for and then some of the losses you've taken. But if you do less than that, I don't think fans should accept anything less because we said they need two bats entering the offseason. Now, after losing Gino, you need three. And I don't think that's unfair. Do you think they're going to get three? Oh, what do I think versus what do I want to happen is two totally different things. I believe that this team should go acquire three real bats. Do I think that's going to happen? Unfortunately, history is not on their side with this. So I would probably say no. Yeah, I'm going to say no, too. I it was it was tall enough of a task when it was only two impact bats when it was only two when they only had to go acquire one by trade and then pony up the money and sign another one but three is is going to be something significant we give we'll float the idea of Matt Chapman out there as well and I think you and I are going to touch on that in a later episode going into a little bit more detail about the potential of the Blue Jay, former Blue Jays third baseman potentially being a fit on this Mariners roster. He would qualify as well. But it's plain and simple because this team is worse now than they were at the end of the season. The lineup is worse. The defense is worse. The pitching staff, because of the defense, is now worse off with this trade than they were at the end of the season. So you've pretty much made all three phases of your, your team worse this offseason because of letting Teoscar Hernandez walk and letting Eugenio Suarez get traded out the door in this, in this move. We're waiting for what the next domino is of this off season. This can't, this, this literally cannot be it. I'm not, I'm not going to let myself believe that it will be it. I don't want to get sucked down into this hole of negativity, especially during this holiday season. I just can't do it. I can't do it. I can need to be more upbeat, more positive, but the pressure's on now because the players see, see this. Imagine what that that player's group chat was looking like after this trade, trying to figure out what Jerry is trying to do and what they what they ended up doing with Eugenio Suarez. I could only imagine what it was, and it's definitely definitely tense tense times down there in that clubhouse. Is what I said unfair though? Again, forget about what do we think the Mariners are going to do. Is that an unfair expectation to set, saying they need three real bats this winter? I don't think it is. No. No, it's not. Not if you want to win a World Series. If you don't want to win a World Series, that's a whole different discussion. They don't want to win a World Series, then then you rebuild, which they're not going to do because they just went through a rebuild, and they, they are in no need to rebuild, of course. But if you're not winning a World Series, then you're tearing it down and trying again, which is what teams that don't think they can win the World Series do. 
The Mariners should have every belief that they can do that. They were two games away from having the same record as the Astros and Rangers last year. They should be adding offense. Again, adding impact, not subtracting. Mm -hmm. So if you're going to lose Gino, if you're going to lose Gino, and we look back in March, and they seriously, in this scenario I've created, have Jamer on the team, have Soler on the team, have Yandy Diaz on on the team, great. That's great. They proved everybody wrong. But you've now set that expectation. Because you cannot be subtracting bats and then stand pat. If you go into the season with Luis Urias as your opening day third baseman, like that's a real, real problem. That's a real problem. The roster will recognize that's a real, real problem. And I, I, I don't want to throw this term out there lightly. I just I can't have the Mariners front office gaslighting their fans again. I can't have the the GM when he first gets hired telling us uh, how confident he is in getting Shohei Otani and then un- falling flat on his face and his public exposure of the negotiations were a reason that they didn't end up getting Shohei Otani or the fact that at the beginning of the 2023 season the Mariners throw a video out there where they write on a whiteboard saying win it all and then underline it twice and then go throughout the season and not and not do what it takes to go win a World Series, whether it be playing on the field or or acquisitions in season, et cetera, et cetera, or acquisitions in the offseason. And then to come out and the fans after the offseason and say how much of a success your organization is and how much of a step forward you've taken and how, you know, this offseason is critical in expecting that you're going to compete for a title next season. And now we sit here at this and it's like that the only word I can use to describe all of what I just said, Lyle, is gaslight. That's it. That's all it is. And Mariners fans have been through too much to be gaslit, to be lied to, to be told to be patient ever more like this, like the offseason to be patient any longer. They don't deserve any of that. And that's why this is so frustrating, because there's no way any Mariner fan should have to wait any any longer to have a team that that cares about winning period that's it three bats it's that simple i'm gonna keep speaking it into existence and if they sign said impact bats i'll start checking them off the list they go trade for yandy diaz i'll say great you've got one two to go you go sign jamer i'll say great two down one to go but we're counting and we're setting this expectation at three bats because losing tay oscar and losing gino has set that precedent that's what you need so those guys need to be replaced. I know, look, you didn't give Teoscar the QO, right? So you're saving a lot of money in that regard. You're saving a little bit of money when you net the Geno trade and the Urias trade. But that money, as we've talked about, needs to go be used elsewhere. Like go out and spend it, go out and acquire talent and get the three bats that you need because that is what the team needs. I'm glad they're cutting down on strikeouts. I think it helps if they don't strike out a bunch. I think everybody would agree with that. But you need to still supplement with real bats. And the three guys we outlined, Soler, Diaz, Candelario, those are three guys that don't strike out a whole ton. They really don't. We'll get, we'll get into Soler here more in a, in a minute or two. But they are not guys that are just going to kill your strikeout rate. So it's not unreasonable to say those things. Also, those three guys shouldn't even cost that much. Diaz is on a cheap contract. I don't think Soler is getting a ton at the DH spot, money-wise. I don't think Candelario is getting some crazy contract. Like, this is not an unreasonable ask either to say, get those three guys. It's really not. And I think most people are convinced, though, knowing the history of this organization, the budget they have run, that it's going to be one impact bat and it's going to be like, well, that should be enough. 
That's what people are going to think. And if I'm going to think, Lyle, I'm going to think that's what they're going to do until we're proven otherwise. We have our checklist for what they need to do to contend. You just laid it out perfectly. That is what they need to do. If they want to go win a World Series, that is it. And then there's what we expect, which might be a little closer to what I just said. It's up to Jerry to go prove which one of those things we're going to check off. I really hope in like two months, this whole segment ends up on old takes exposed and we're totally wrong. They have Shohei, they have Yandy Diaz, they've they've gone and signed Blake Snell, whatever. I really hope they do all those things, but they have not earned the right to ensure the trust in their fans that that's going to happen. They need to go out and prove it. And I really, really hope they do. It's that simple, right? Yes, it is that simple. Okay. As we wrap this up, a lot to get to in that segment. And I think for good reason. I think a lot of fans are feeling the same way we're feeling. But to kind of transition from that into our next segment, we're first going to tell you a little bit about our friends over at Pagacha's Pub 85. That's Pagacha's Pub 85 in Kirkland, just east of 405. Hey, by the time this comes out, I'll have just been over there on Wednesday night. Where do people go for Thanksgiving Eve around here in, in Kirkland the night before Thanksgiving? They go there. Why? Because it's an awesome place to hang out. They've got great food, great drinks, a ton of TVs. There's 22 of them in the place and an awesome environment to hang out with all your friends. So if you head over there, check out the food menu. They've got some great pizza. Make sure to check out the full drink menu, including some happy hour specials. If you're there Monday through Friday, 2 to 6 p.m., which include $3 domestic beers, $4 Manny's Blue Moons, $4 Mac and Jacks, $4 Wells, $4 House Wines. Get all of that and a great time with your friends over at Pagacha's Pub 85 in Kirkland. Okay, so Jorge Soler, we've already talked about him a little bit here in this show. Now we're going to actually do a deep dive in on him. This past year, Jorge Soler had a fantastic year with the Marlins. He hit 36 bombs, 126 WRC+. He hits free agency. And I think for a lot of reasons, TJ, he is a perfect fit for, for the Mariners. Yeah, and I wonder where his hitting coach went this offseason. Do you, do, you, do you remember? I'm trying to put my finger on it. Who was his hitting coach again? Oh, oh, it was Brant Brown, who's now with mm. the Mariners. Yeah, and which, which hitting coach did he have his best season ever under? I'm trying to remember. Oh, wait, yeah, it was under Brant Brown. Whoa, whoa. Yeah, the, the, the Marlins really got, and Brant Brown, got the best version of Jorge Soler this past season in 2023. Uh, not as high as WRC plus season, but maybe his most complete season at the plate when we tie in walk rate, strikeout rate on top of the power. I mean, we're still talking about 36 home runs, a 126 WRC plus respectable on base percentage. He slugged over 500, struck out only 24% of the time, walked over 11% of the time is a full-time DH. I mean, doesn't this start sound like the perfect fit for something the Mariners could use? The kind of guy who has the prodigious enough power to not be affected by any ballpark he plays in. I mean, Marlins Park is not in any way a a hitter's park, and yet he made it look uh, tiny. He made it look tiny with the amount of swings he puts in. And we're talking about an improvement he made this season where up until this year, I mean, he was a, around a 26.5-27% strikeout rate guy who dropped it by a full two percentage points in what was one of his best strikeout rate years of his career. Seems like the perfect mix of power, strikeout rate, walk rate, and a position of need that the Mariners dip, like do need in their lineup right now at DH. You know what he sounds like to me? 
a guy who could be an improved version of Teoscar Hernandez. And here's why I say that. When Teo was here, what did people say about him? Well, he hits the ball extremely hard. T-Mobile Park shouldn't play a factor, even though it kind of did, along with the fact that he hits for a lot of power. Well, here's the difference. Not only are you not asking Jorge Soler to play the field if he comes to Seattle, he'd just be a DH, so he can just focus on hitting, but he also walks a lot and does not strike out a ton. There will be these people out there who maybe don't pay ultra close attention to Jorge Soler that just look at him and say, yeah, but he's one of those two outcome guys. All he does is hit a home run or strike out. He's a two outcome guy. No, he's not. No, he is not. Let me read this to you. Jorge Soler has walked over 10% of the time every single year since 2016. Since 2016. He has walked over 10% of the time every year of his career. You know who didn't do that? Teoscar Hernandez. In fact, Teoscar Hernandez did not walk at all. And then they'll say, oh, but he strikes out a ton. Well, earlier in his career, I think that's a fair statement. He struck out more early on. But you just mentioned it. His K rates were way down the last couple of years. This past year, he was not striking out a whole lot. It was at a totally manageable clip, what he did this past year. So what does that add up to? Oh, the guy with more power than Teoscar Hernandez a guy who walks way more than Teoscar Hernandez, a guy who strikes out significantly less than Teoscar Hernandez and doesn't have to play the field and hits the crap out of the baseball. Sounds like a perfect fit to me. And he's cheaper. MLB Trade Rumors projects three for 45 for him. And I think Teoscar Hernandez, despite all of his deficiencies, because he plays the field, is going to net more money than Jorge Soler this season. Can we just like admire his baseball savant profile a little bit? I mean, I think we gawked at Teoscar's a little bit last offseason, but I'm dead serious when I'm looking at Jorge Soler's. I mean, we're talking about a 94th percentile quality of contact, a 94th percentile slug, average exit velocity above the 80th percentile, barrel rate above the 90th percentile, and that's on top of having above average chase rate, sweet spot sweet spot percentage, hard hit rate above 80, the 80th percentile, and a walk rate also above the 80th percentile. He's got a tiny bit of swing and miss in his game, 37th percentile, but that's not horrible. It's just below average, and that's the same thing with his K rate. We're talking about Teoscar Hernandez, the chase rate is horrible, and the K percentage is horrible. You can deal with below average when you're getting everything else. It's not like you're getting awesome everything else and atrocious chase rates and swing and miss rates. No, no, that's not the case for Jorge Soler. He is probably what you would dream of. He's what you would dream you would get if you're actually getting Teoscar Hernandez. He's what Mariners fans thought Teoscar Hernandez was going to do if he was going to have a breakout season this past year. I think Jorge Soler, if he's able to repeat the season with the Marlins, with the Mariners in 2024, that's what Mariners fan, Mariner fans think they were getting last year from Teo. I'll say outside of the walks, 100%. I think everybody knew Teoscar was not ever going to walk. But again, you can not only hope for that for Jorge Soler. No, you should expect it. He walks. He has a good eye at the plate. He has good plate discipline. He will get on base. Like I know people look at him and think, oh, he's just an all or nothing guy. He is really not that guy. This is a, like for, for the fact that he should make about a three-year deal anywhere, anywhere from 40 to $45 million. How could, how could you not be bought in on this idea? Not that expensive, crushes baseballs, can play DH, a position of need. It, it seemed like a legit seamless fit along with the whole Brant Brown factor, right? Exactly. And another thing I will note, he does have pretty extreme platoon splits 
Yes. But it's not like, but the, here's the, here's the thing. Here's the asterisk about his platoon spit, splits. He's not bad against righties. In fact, he has a 109 WRC plus against righties, which you would say, okay, if that's your weak side, only 109, that's fine. Because his slash line against le- his, his outcomes against lefties is a 181 WRC plus. He slugs seven. 100 against righties this past season, walking 15% of the time and striking out only 22%. I mean, he took righties to fucking town this past season and then, or sorry, lefties to town this past season and has been serviceable against right-handed pitchers. I think that's all you can really ask for. Yet another way he's like Teoscar Hernandez. He crushes left-handed pitching. Like there, there's so many similarities, yet I think it is an upgrade. I think, again, the fact you're not asking him to play the field is huge. And he's not going to cost as much. I like. I really, I really don't understand how if the Mariners are not all over this, why they aren't. It is. It is such a seamless fit. Where you're talking about three impact bats again. You go get Solaire. Check that box. And and look, Solaire has not crushed lefties to that level every year of his career. Like he's not putting up a 170, 180 WRC plus or a 700 slug against lefties every year. But he has been good. Like his career WRC plus against Southpaws is just under 130. So he's about 30% above league average against lefties for his career. So sign me right up. Like we've talked about a bunch of guys being great fits. Like, okay, obviously is Shohei a great fit? Yes. Is is Yanni Diaz obviously a great fit? Yes. Those guys are either going to cost a lot of money or very, very high-end players and prospects to go get. This is a guy who should not cost that much and is just an ideal piece of this lineup right in the smack dab middle of it I like if I were Jerry and Justin Hollander I'm going out and signing him this very second and I'm using Brant Brown to help recruit him here so I have a I have a something to note here when doing my prep on on Jorge Soler the Mariners are not the only team who uh, they're the I would say Mariners fans and Mariners writers are not the only people who think Jorge Soler is a fit for the team they cover or that they are a fan of can I just read you some headlines that I found while uh, while googling Okay. okay. Uh, Red Sox free agency. Jorge Soler, a fit. Uh, Jorge Soler is a perfect fit for the Guardians. Uh, let's see. Is former World Series MVP worth uh, a perfect fit for the Orioles? Padres linked with former World Series MVP Jorge Soler this offseason. Those are just the top four headlines when I click the news tab on my Google search that popped up. So I got to say the Mariners would not be the only team that are needing more power and less strikeouts in their lineup who could court the services of Jorge Soler. So he's going to be a hot commodity if teams really believe he can keep up what happened in this 2023 season. Well, and teams have probably picked up picked up on what we've picked up on, which is he's not going to cost a ton of money. So they're like, well, you add that type of production into the lineup for fairly reasonable dollars. Great. Like, look, his war is not going to blow anybody away every year. Like, his war this past year was about two because he doesn't play the field. And as a result, his value will be a little bit limited in that regard. But the Mariners need bats. Bats. You need power. You need walks. You need contact. So Lair can do that. Like, he really can. So you're right that we're probably not the only people picking up on this. That doesn't mean that the Mariners shouldn't go out and do it either because they make themselves a lot better if they do. Certainly so. And man, and this would be a good fit. And he would not cost that much. As you said no. in our previous segment, he really does not cost that much money. If he really only costs $15 million a year at the high end, we'll say $20 million a year for really a top tier DH. That's usually about what they will get 
because you can't play in the field. It just it makes too much sense and makes too much too much sense where they want to be have great quality of contact and a ton of power as well. I I think Jorge Soler will end up being you know potentially a a, a, a home run signing if the Mariners can actually court his services. So we'll have to see on that. Before we get to speak your mind, a word from our friends over at Simply Seattle. Holiday season is almost upon us, Lyle. So if you, Mr. Goldstein, have not gotten, and you are listeners as well, have not gotten your family the proper gifts for this holiday season, we want you to go over to our friends at Simply Seattle and go check them out. Go give them a look for what you could potentially get all of your family this holiday season. I mean, we're talking about all the best. Mariners, Seahawks, Kraken, Sonics, Huskies gear, anything you could want that centers around the Pacific Northwest, Simply Seattle has you covered. And if you guys go to simplyseattle.com and use our code MARINE15, you get 15% off your order. Again, only at simplyseattle.com, any of your Pacific Northwest-themed gear, accessories that you could want, go to simplyseattle.com. They'll have you covered. Use our code MARINE15 for 15% off your order. Okay, let's get to Speak Your Mind. Speak Your Mind, Spock. That would be unwise. What is necessary is never unwise. All right, uh, I'm just going to lead this off. I didn't, I didn't know what I was going to do for Speak Your Mind today until I arrived and sat in this chair, thought about it for a second, and now I do know. I- I'm just going to flat out say it. The college football coaching cycle is one of the most stupid, illogical, and dumb concepts in the world, Lyle. It may be stupid, but it's also dumb, as Patrick Starr would say. You, know, you said it's stupid and dumb. You must be really feeling some type of way about this. Let me, like in any profession, Lyle, let's say you have the, the, the biggest thing of whatever you do in your profession. But... Right around that thing is also the time where if you were to get a new job in said field, that's when you had to be interviewing for it. So not only say you had to take the SAT, uh, the SAT on Saturday, but you also had to, if you wanted to get into a better school as well, that's when you had to apply for it. That's, that's actually kind of a stupid thing, so a uh, stupid uh, comparison. So I'm going to throw that out. But you, the fact that college coaches this week being rivalry week are going to have their biggest, most intense game for their fan base this week. And yet, if they want to get hired for a new job for next season, next season, if eight, nine, ten months away, this is the week where they have to interview for it and they would have to take that job by Saturday. Is that is that not stupid where you cannot focus on your current team and the biggest the biggest, most intense game of the season, and instead you have to focus on someone else's program instead. Money talks, that's all I'll say. It is stupid, but if you're a coach wanting a new job and an upgrade and you don't bounce on that, somebody else is going to take it from you. But it's all because of the college football calendar. I mean, the early signing day really ruins everything. If the early signing day didn't exist and they kept just the old signing day, we wouldn't have this issue because the offseason really would not start until all the bowls are done and everyone can just take a breath and relax and you can take a new job, say, after the bowl game. But no, you, you cannot do that. I mean, you literally cannot do that. The transfer portal opens on the 4th. Early signing day for high schoolers is right smack in the middle of December. And those are two key dates when it comes to adding to your roster. So these schools, 
they want to hire you before December 1st rolls around. The problem is there's only one week between the end of the regular season and December 1st. <laughs> it makes it just one of the most chaotic and news dense weeks of the entire calendar. And I don't know how any coach gets it done. Just like, just for example, like here in Corvallis, Jonathan Smith's name has apparently been thrown around and as heavy favorites for the Michigan state job. So instead of us today sitting here and talking about on our radio show today, which I was hosting today, instead of us talking about what is one of the, the biggest rivalry games that these two programs, the Oregon state Beavers and the Oregon ducks have played this Friday. We're talking about the potential of Jonathan Smith going to Michigan State. Instead of that, a hypothetical, a pure hypothetical that is uh, unsourced, I would say, on our end, but has been floated down on message boards and rumors and et cetera, et cetera. That's what we're talking about instead of the actual football game on Friday. It's so stupid. The whole sport of college football, Lyle, is stupid. It defies logic. It, uh, it Any sort of thing that that any sort of grasp of reality that the, the sport has of structure and 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 consistency of and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, does not exist in the sport, period. Well, Tej, you were lead hosting today. You could have simply made an executive decision to ignore this whole Jonathan Smith, Michigan State thing and just not talked about it. It was it was your show today. You could have said, you know what? I refuse to give this attention. But it's so easy to talk about, and everyone else wants to talk about it too, because you know the whole situation with what's going on here. Like they don't have a, they don't have a concurrent like conference for next season, or or schedule, or television deal, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. There's so much unknown for next year, so people want to hear from their local radio host, like some assurances or some thoughts on this subject, because you can't just ignore something like that. I mean, that's your future. Well, just like you're not like you're not as ingrained into this football program as I am. But from the outside looking in, say Jonathan Smith leaves and he goes and takes the Michigan State job. Do you think the Oregon State football job is going to be a hot commodity in the in the coaching circles? Absolutely not. No, that's exactly the point. And I'm just say people are freaking the fuck out. I'm sure they are. I think that's all warranted, man. Oregon State's really getting the bad end of the stick for things that they didn't do. Like. No. No, they did not. You just, yeah, you feel for people in Corvallis and you feel for people in Pullman. So, man. All right. That's my conclusion, though. It's stupid. It's it's very on brand with the rest of college athletics. Well, maybe, maybe they should have just had a system to pay their players for years and years on end now. Oh, that's an interesting concept. Well, it's almost logical and it makes sense. I wonder why they didn't, no one else thought of that. Well, the NCAA is nonprofit. They don't make any money, haven't you heard? Mm, right. Yeah. Not a cent on the NC on the on the on March Madness. No. None. None at all. Oh, well, on a happier note, I know what my speaker mind's gonna be. And I'll I'll test your memory here. I'm gonna throw it back a year ago to when we did one of our very, very early speaker minds when this podcast was launched. I think there's a lot of people listening now that probably were not listening back then, so they didn't hear this take of mine about a year ago. Do you know where I'm going with this? It has to do with Thanksgiving. Once you start talking, I'll probably realize it. That is probably true. Everybody has their favorite dishes for Thanksgiving, right? Oh, I got- God. I have my favorite. Holy it- shit. It's Turn not the, the podcast one- off now. Stop listening. Oh, 
you better believe I'm just devouring my plate with cranberry sauce tomorrow for Thanksgiving and eating a ton of it, a ton of it. That's my favorite meal or dish at the Thanksgiving meal. Like if, if that wasn't there, I'd probably like Thanksgiving like 30% less or something like that. It's like the greatest, greatest dish ever, which most people would say, that's gross. It's terrible. Why do you even eat it? No, I think it's amazing. Dude, that's, that is wretched. No, you should, you should throw your plate in the trash. I would if it didn't taste so good, but that would be a total waste. Dude, it's, there's a reason they only bring it out once a year, Lyle, because it's not that good. Oh, if it was around more than once a year, like it, like if it was, if people had it in other places, oh, I'd eat it way more. But it seems to be a once a year thing. If cranberry sauce was acceptable in modern hu- human society at a normal meal, it would be offered on restaurant menus. People would be eating it, I don't know, a couple times a month. It wouldn't be an issue. But no, because it sucks and only a few people like yourself actually like it, that's why it's only brought out once a year. Well, here's my petition to have it out more than once a year. Disgusting. Let me let me make let me Disgusting. make my sales pitch. Let me make my sales pitch to some restaurants to have it on the menu as a side dish. It, 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 like you could have fries, side salad, like potato wedges. There's all these side dishes. No, I think cranberry sauce should be added to the lists of all your local establishments. <laughs> like they go bankrupt. They go bankrupt buying all this cranberry sauce when the only people who would the only person who walks in their restaurant and eats it and and gets it on the side is you. Well, if they're looking to get rid of some of it, I'll take the complimentary extras. I can't wait. That, that is just wretched. Why would you do that to your taste buds? Well, like why? You 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 act like I have a choice in taste buds. Like like you don't have a choice in that. I like what I like. I think it's I think it's good. Hey, if there's anybody else out there listening that likes cranberry sauce, please let me know. Because while this may be a very, very unpopular take, I know I'm not alone on this. So please, somebody, somebody help me out with this. How many other people in your family eat cranberry sauce? How many other people are eating it at the at the your Thanksgiving dinner table? Oh, other people eat it. Now, nowhere even close to the margins that I eat it at. But What are the portions we're talking about of cranberry sauce? Are we talking about a little bit of cranberry sauce? Or are we talking a full scoop? No one, of course, is going to match you. Oh, yeah. When, I mean, when I say other people eat it, it's like a very small portion. How much does Spencer eat? Actually, I don't think Spencer likes it, if I'm remembering oh, right. Or maybe, good. He has or maybe, good taste. He has good well, taste. Or maybe he eats like a little bit of it. I'm trying to remember exactly. So that's yeah. disgusting. Uh, you know, honestly, unacceptable. Um, yeah, if we're ever going to have a Thanksgiving dinner together, there's there's going to be no cranberry sauce on on the table. It's n- it's not going to be there. So you would sacrifice it to potentially not have me show up. Well, you'd have to bring your own can. All right. That that seems like a reasonable deal. Well, that is my very, very hyped up. Speak your mind as I cannot wait. Now, by the time this is out. I'll have already had it and been fulfilled. But TJ, TJ, on the other hand, will not. If I have to it's add disgusting. one more, if I have to add one more quick thing to our speak your mind here before we wrap up, uh, Richard Sherman's getting fed up with Skip Bayless already. Oh, yes. Didn't take very long, yes. did it? How long did it take? When did they start? Like two months ago, two and a half months ago. Oh man, who could have seen this coming? That that oh absolutely nobody i mean i mean two personalities that are just so humble and down to earth 
I mean, just the perfect partnership. Really easy people to work with, too, I hear. I mean, from past colleagues and... And, 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 and appearances on radio shows and, 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 ne- and long time partners that have been cycled through. I mean, ah, I, I couldn't have, they, they, they seem like the perfect match to me. I, I'm just heartbroken that this is the case that, that we might get some explosives on undisputed because these two can't get along. I mean, just nobody could have seen this. Nobody could have. For those who didn't see the the clip, Skip Bayless was going on about something. It had something to do with Jordan Travis. It, and no, it was the hip drop tackle, right? He was like, and and Sherman's like, well, you've actually you've never tackled anyone in your life. And, yeah. and Skip was like, uh, easy there, Sherman. I've been doing this longer than you have, buddy. The, the classic Skip line, <laughs> uh, which yeah. he actually, by the way, pulled out with the first time those two got into a spat on Undisputed, which was like, well. Uh, I think my career is certainly more accomplished than yours is, oh. uh, 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 Richard. Oh, you mean on first take like 10 yeah, years ago? Yeah, on first take. Yeah, that one. So what a line. Uh, somewhere in there, he was floating the name Jordan Travis out there, who's the Florida State quarterback, who just unfortunately suffered a really bad injury this past week. But somewhere that was in there, and you're right. They were talking about the hip drop tackle. And when Sherman said, when Sherman disagreed, Skip goes, Richard, I'm speaking, is what he says. <laughs> <laughs> Richard, I'm speaking. He's like, he's like, well, guess what, Skip? I actually played the game. You didn't play the game. So I was like, well, I've been covering this longer than you. It's like, yeah, and I actually played. You don't know what you're talking about, which sounded very similar to the Skip and Shannon dispute that I think started the downfall between the two of them. Remember when Shannon's like, you know what, Skip? He's like, I'm in the effing Hall of Fame. And Skip's like, so what? It's like, <laughs> so what? You were never better than Tom Brady. And he's like, what? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh, this this show is going to go down the drain. I mean, again, we all could have seen this one coming. It was just it was too, too on brand. Like like you knew it was on the horizon. But I think we had to throw that in there since we seem to cover all the undisputed drama on here. But um, yeah, trouble in paradise. Who could have ever seen it? Not me. Definitely not me, man. Total blindside. No. Okay. I think that'll just about wrap up this edition of the Marine Layer podcast. You guys know the drill. If you want to listen to the full form podcast, you can do so on Apple, Spotify, Google, and Amazon, wherever you get your audio side of the podcast. Go follow us there, download our episodes, leave us a five-star review. Those reviews and downloads, they really do help us out a lot. So just take a few extra seconds to do that. Go watch on YouTube too. If you want to watch the video side of the podcast, like, comment, subscribe over there and check us out on social media, on Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, and YouTube shorts at Marine Layer Pod. That's TJ. I'm Lyle. As always, we thank you guys for tuning in. We'll talk to you soon.